0: Welcome to the podcast that passes poor performance on pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Darren Duncan, alongside with my best friend, Audie Marsh. We're just a couple of cool cats casually causing some chaos with conversation. We're here to entertain you, not hurt your feelings, so don't blame us. Garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. (laughs) You ever heard Charles Manson's music? Uh,
1: I've, I've heard a little bit on YouTube. I've uh it's they had like a they had a uh like some old lost record or old recordings or some shit and it was just an acoustic guitar um i don't remember the garbage dump one though he's got like three
0: fucking cds man um i forgot what the first one's called but he recorded like 13 tracks with dennis wilson the drummer of the beach boys (laughs) and uh yeah did you know that no (laughs) dude charles manson was really good friends with the drummer of the beach boys at one point we'll definitely get into it but yeah they recorded 13 tracks charles manson had a song on a b-side of one of the beach boys at records and originally the song was called cease to exist but the beach boys changed the words and the title and they called it uh never learn not to love and that's what started this whole fucking mess. <laughs> that's why people got murdered on August 9th in
1: 1969. <laughs> Jeez, over a fucking that
0: episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's some fucking wild ass shit, though, man. That's 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 what really happened. But yeah, dude, so obviously today's topic is Charles Manson. Um, what was your introduction into Charles Manson? Obviously, he was born way before you and I. But how did you first hear about him?
1: So I think it was Hit. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hit Par- Parader, the 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 metal uh, magazine. The metal magazine. I used to get that all the time. I that shit get, was my
0: walls were covered in. Yeah, me too. Under. I had
1: like corn and shit. And then yep. once I was done with the, the the magazine, I was like, eh, I'll start plastering. Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. It was Hit Parader. It was a section of T-shirts.
0: Oh, yeah. Manson loves you. Yeah. Remember remember kids, Kids, Manson loves you. Manson
1: loves you. And I was like, and that was about the time uh, Marilyn Manson was coming up when I discovered, you know, it was about that uh, same same about. And I was like, well, that don't look like Marilyn Manson on the T-shirt, you know. Uh, and, And then we didn't have, again, we didn't have Google or none of that. Uh, right. So it was. It was more or less. I started asking around. I think I asked my dad or somebody. I was like, "Who? Who's Charles Manson?" And you know, my parents, oh, uh, crazy son of a bitch! You know, he killed a bunch right. of people. Blah 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 blah. You know, and I was like, "Oh, okay. So no wonder that shirts in the uh, hit parader." So that's that was my introduction. in the Manson was the shirts. It was merch. It was merch is what uh, came about. And then obviously, as I I got older and. uh Marilyn Manson, and then you know I started studying right. that. I was like, oh, okay, so it's it's Charles Manson and Marilyn Monroe, you know. So right. that was my introduction. Really, it was more or less just merchandise and and just word of mouth because I couldn't Google or YouTube any of that shit. It was just like if I come across him, you know, I'll learn something about it. But more or less, my parents was like, yeah, he was an evil person. He's in fucking jail, prison right now. And I was like, oh shit. Well, yeah, I my introduction,
0: right. <laughs> No, I always did too, but I knew about him way before that. Like I I knew about Manson probably since first, second grade, because my dad used to say, kill Whitey, but he'd be just fucking around. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And he's like, it's <laughs> Charles Manson. And he, uh, he'd always say that, kill Whitey, because uh, he explained to me, he's like, well, when one, one of Manson's parole hearings, he got asked if you were let out, what would you do? And he said, kill Whitey. <laughs> but I don't think he really said that. I think that was like a rumor, because I've watched tons, I've watched hours and hours of shit on him in the last two days, and I've never heard him once say "kill Whitey." So hmm. I think that I think that's just like a rumor or some bullshit, kind of like Marilyn Manson taking his ribs out to suck his own dick. Right. But I got big into him, like right automatically. I was in because anything my dad talked about, or even almost, was half ass into. I fucking had to know everything about it. Like when he, he talked, he mentioned Willie Mays to me, the, the black baseball player, like once or twice in my life. And I fucking became obsessed with Willie Mays and Muhammad Ali. Cause that's who my dad idled as a kid for sports stars, you know, but anyway, yeah. to be more relevant, um, I've read Helter Skelter four fucking times. And there aren't many books that I finished because my fucking ADHD is so severe. I can't retain new information when I'm reading, dude. My brain is thinking about a hundred different things yeah. and I, I don't know what I'm reading. I'll read, I'll flip pages, but I'm like, fuck, what did I just read? So, but yeah, I, so that means that says a lot for the fact that I've read Helter Skelter four times. Cause it's like this fucking goddamn thick um i have every fucking printing ever of helter skelter um they've printed it multiple times and i got the first ever edition hardcover i got the second printing of the fucking paperback cover i got when they fucking redid it in 2008 i got all of them (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, fucking i just i love charles manson but goddamn, right. he is a hard fucking man to listen to in interviews, dude. Oh, absolutely. It, I, that's
1: that's that's why I'm so intrigued by him. I hate to cut you off, but I feel no. like he is the – he was the first troll ever. My opinion.
0: I'm trying to think of somebody before think him. Think I mean, you know. No. Yeah, I, like, because his interviews, he never gave a serious fucking answer. No. And he would, like, speak gibberish and shit and, like – And I think he he would talk in like prison slang a lot because that's all he fucking knew, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, but yeah, he would do a lot of prison slang and, and just, I think he was just trying to be annoying and confusing and mysterious and he didn't want out because who dude? people probably would have killed him if he got out. He there, I don't think there ever was a real Manson family. Like it, I don't think it was a real fucking cult. And like he he referred to his family He's like, yeah, we were a family, but we weren't the family. Like our band was called Family Jams. You know what I mean? Like that's what he was saying. So I don't, I don't fucking know, dude. But um anyway, to get into like the meat of it all, like just facts and shit. Uh he was born November 12th, the day before my birthday. That's pretty sweet. But he was born November 12th, 1934 in Cincinnati, Ohio. His mother was a 15-year-old prostitute. Did you know that? Mm. She was 15 years yeah. old. Her name was Kathleen Maddox. His his dad was a colonel, Colonel Walker Henderson Scott Sr. But I don't think he ever met his dad ever. And... uh his mom straight up didn't want him. He's like, my mom lied to me about everything. He's like, she only taught me one thing, and that's not to fucking trust anybody. Everybody's a fucking liar. And, like, his whole thing is like, I don't lie. He's just like when he was in prison. He's like, prison is a different world. He's like, the guards don't lie to you. You don't lie to the guards. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, his mom didn't want him. He went to fucking jail. His first time going to jail, he was nine years old. And he, I think he robbed like a fucking liquor store or a little grocery store, convenience store, or something like that. But uh yeah, he went, dude, he uh he spent over half of his life in prison. I'm gonna be all over the place with this shit, so try to fucking no, reel good. me in. Um try to fucking reel me in here, but he uh he was nine or ten by the first time he got arrested. It was all petty bullshit. I mean, he was stealing cars and shit, but like What's fucked up about him, the reason why he did such long stints in jail is because every crime he committed was fucking federal, like his dumb ass would steal a car, no big deal, right, but he drove it across straight lines. Now it's a federal offense now you're gonna do seven years, you know, and uh dude, he's been to Joliet, the prison by me. he He was in there for two days he's been in he's been in the Cook county jail, the Chicago jail. the motherfucker's been in jail everywhere, dude. <laughs> Um, uh, he's got a son supposedly named, uh, Matthew Roberts, and he's like from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, like three and a half hours away. And his fucking band played in Rockford at the same bar. My first band used to play at. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. They were called one man's son. Mm. And yeah, it's fucking sweet. I see what he did there. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was arrested like thirty three times, I think, and he escaped about ten times. <laughs> as a juvenile, dude, as a juvenile, he escaped like ten fucking times, and uh, they put him in. There's different sides to this story. I've heard he was raped and beaten, and then in like an interview he did in 1989, he said that he was he was never raped. But I think I think he might be saying that because it's embarrassing to admit something like that. And he wants to be a badass, even though he's only fucking five foot two and Geraldo Rivera could have beat him up if he wanted to. That's why Geraldo (laughs) Rivera wasn't scared of him. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I bet he's a wild man, but he's fucking five foot two, you know, (laughs) but I think he didn't want to admit to any of that. But when he went to boys home, it was real rough. And I think that's how he learned how to be, you know the prison system, and he's been in it over yeah. half of his fucking life. And uh, when he finally got out in 1968, he was 33 years old, dude. He's all he's all yeah. He went in jail at nine, got out at 33. He didn't want to be let out. He he like he didn't know what to do. He's like, don't let me out of here. I want to stay in prison. And they fucking kicked him out, and he went to fucking hate H- Ashbury, um, at the fucking peak of the hippie scene, and there in Haight-Ashbury, you know, all you had to do was have long hair and fucking talk, talk the slang, and you would fucking fit right in, but that's when he met, uh, Mary Brunner, that she was, like, the first member of his fucking quote-unquote family or whatever, and I think they had, like, an apartment together, and, uh, she got her, he got her pregnant, she, there, that's, like, his legit baby, I believe is Charles Manson Jr., he died in 1993, he's got another kid, Valentine Michael Manson who's 54. No, that's 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 uh Mary Brunner's ma- son. Yeah, so his first kid was Valentine Michael Manson. He's 54 years old right now. Um but yeah, that's when he that's when he started his little fucking click or whatever. He met like Squeaky from, you know who Squeaky is, right? Yeah. He met her and he met Mary Brunner and Susan Atkins and all of them and He just started this fucking click because all these, every single one of these girls came from a broken ass home. Like they were all from divorced parents. They were all like seeking love. They just, that's what they all say anyway. They're like, I just want to be loved. And then Manson would fucking pay attention to them. And he would like, it's probably an easy thing to guess, but he'd go up to these girls on the street corner and be like, so your dad kicked you out and he'd be right. And that's why everyone thinks that like, oh, he has powers and he's a guru. It's so like he just knows how to read people because he grew up in a fucking prison. You got to know how to read people, you mm-hmm. know. But yeah, and then I think uh, I forgot which one of the girls it was, but one of the girls took him out to Spawn Ranch. I think it might have been Susan Atkins. Um, she was the one who got him all out to Spawn Ranch, the old movie ranch that George Spawn owned. And the way they basically got to stay there and shit was do chores, take care of the horses. They would do tour guides for people on the horseback. But the main thing was probably Squeaky sucking off old man George every day. You know, he, uh, <laughs> Manson had Squeaky fucking take care of George Spawn, giving him hand jobs and all that shit. But Squeaky said she loved them. Squeaky's like one of the only people in the Manson family to like stay true. Like, and stay loyal to Charles Manson the whole fucking time. Like, even in 1989, Charles Manson called her his old lady in an interview. And she tried to, like, an assassinate a president and shit just to go to fucking prison just because Manson <laughs> wasn't in really? prison. Yeah, like, she's <laughs> fucking, she's, like, the only one that's, like, I think she's recently done interviews and, like, she's still in love with Charlie Manson, dude. Hey, uh, I, I think
1: it was book my mom got me it was a jim morrison book um in the book it states that him he ran into charles manson uh on the music scene there in california uh in the book it it vaguely touches bases with you know morrison meets manson so i thought that was kind of cool too uh with the whole music shit and i don't know how true it is but it's definitely in the book uh yeah, I wouldn't
0: I wouldn't doubt that one bit if they ran yeah. into each other if if they were at, around there at the same both time in, in the both high in Ashbury California. Yeah. yeah, the same like San were, Francisco. Cool. Yeah, I I bet they did fucking run into each other for sure. I don't know what the music scene was like for like unsigned people or if the doors they were probably signed in 69 I'm thinking. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah,
1: they, they were playing like bars and then like they got go go and shit yeah. like that. That's probably where he probably I'd have to go back in the book, but it touches on it very vaguely. But I'm pretty sure it was something to do with that. Like either he was buying drugs or some, you know, someone was involved with a drug dealer, or it had to been music. Nothing to do, I'm sure, with any killings because Jim Morrison wasn't into that kind of
0: shit. But no, it was probably like you said, it was probably drugs or music. I'm sure.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, let's get into the fucking music shit, man, because. He he wasn't bad in my opinion. He wasn't a terrible singer. He was kind of a bad songwriter <laughs> because they were just weird fucking songs. But Manson's a weird guy. What do you expect? You know. But yeah, he's got that song like the garbage dump. Oh, garbage dump. It's so fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Troll, but man. it's yeah, it's not bad. But so what happened is. Two girls in the Manson family were hitchhiking. Dennis Wilson, the drummer of the Beach Boys, picked them up, took them back to his house. They got high. They partied. He fucked them both. And then I think the next day, Dennis Wilson wakes up and is like, all right, I got to go to the recording studio. I got to record. You guys stay here. Make yourself at home, whatever. He comes back and his house is full of fucking people. And it's all the Manson family. And they stayed there for like a month, dude. He couldn't get rid of them. But the way Manson was is he paid his way with pussy. He was basically a pimp. He would pimp out his Manson girls. And uh, Tex Watson, I'm pretty sure, was like the drug guy. But anyway, yeah, they wrecked his fucking house. They destroyed his house. He had to buy a fucking new one. Dennis Wilson moved out. But anyway... Terry Melcher was a record producer and he is the son of Doris Day and Terry Melcher is like a big time fucking record producer and I don't think Dennis Wilson made any promises but the way Manson probably took it as a guarantee or a promise or you know word is bond or whatever and uh They met. Dennis Wilson made Terry Melcher and Charles Manson meet each other. And Terry Melcher didn't like him, didn't like his music, didn't like anything about him, creeped him out. He's like, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with this guy. I'm not signing him. I'm not recording him anything. (laughs) But Manson had it in his head that he was going to be a fucking rock star, you know. And um, when he did that song, the song's called Seize Do Exist. They changed it, called it Seize or Never learn Not to Love is what the song's called. Terrible title, by the way. They put it on a B-side of one of their albums. Didn't make much noise. No one really gave a fuck about it. But they said that they were going to give Charles Manson $5,000 for this song. Well, remember earlier in the episode when I said in prison, you don't fucking lie, you know? Yeah. And that's what fucking set Manson off, dude. Now... Okay, so Terry Melcher owned the house that Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring and Wojtek Frykowski and Abigail Folger were staying in. It was Rowan Polanski's house. He's the fucking director of Rosemary's Baby. But, so anyway, just keep that in mind that Terry Melcher owned this house. But, so, like, either way, regardless, Charles Manson wanted revenge on Terry Melcher, all right? But, what? so, before that, though there was a motorcycle gang called straight Satan's and Tex Watson. Um, Tex Watson was a drug dealer, but something went down. I believe it was between the straight Satan's and this black Panther guy named crow and Tex Watson got like a couple of kilos, a bunch of fuck. Let's say he got like 25 kilos of meth. Well, his whole thing was he was going to keep two kilos and sell it to crow for this fucking like even more than what he got for it. So then he'd get free drugs and some money, but he ended up burning them both. And he's like, fuck you and fuck you. He, he ditched both on them and he fucking stole the money and the goddamn drugs and Tex Watson. They call him Tex cause he's from Texas, but his name is Charles Watson. So Crow, a known black Panther calls up spawn ranch and is like, I want to fucking talk to Charles and they're like, okay. So they get Charlie Manson because he's like the main fucking guy, right? They, they were all assuming he wanted to talk to Charles Manson. So Manson gets on the phone and the guy's like, motherfucker, I'm going to come there. I'm going to burn that ranch down. I'm going to kill every single one of you pieces of shit. I want my fucking drugs or my money, whatever. Charles Manson's like, all right, bitch, bet. So he goes, oh, and meanwhile, I forgot to mention this. Tex Watson left his girlfriend for fucking collateral with Crow. Because <laughs> yeah, so this guy Crow was like, I don't know you white boy, fucking I'm not giving you my money. He's like, no, chill dude, it's cool. My girlfriend'll stay with you. I got to come back if you got my girlfriend. Nope. He fucking left that bitch there. So Crow took this girl back to his house, fucking tied her up. Called the ranch was like, fuck you, I'm going to kill this bitch. I'm going to set the ranch on fire. The Black Panthers are going to come there and fuck all you white motherfuckers up unless I get my shit back. So, Charles Manson goes over to Crow's house with a gun and shoots him in the fucking stomach, dude. So, he saves Tex Watson's girlfriend. They go back to the ranch. Later that night, on the news, they found the body of a Black Panther that was ditched. Now, this shit probably happened all the fucking time in the the late 60s. You know, Black Panthers popping up dead. Well, Manson automatically assumed, oh, fuck, I killed that guy. And then someone ditched his body, you know, because they didn't do that. He just shot him in the belly and left. So, out of fear of retaliation from the Black Panthers, he started fucking around with this motorcycle gang called the Straight Satans. And this is when his fucking pimpery came in. Because, like, what does five foot two Charles Manson have to offer a fucking motorcycle gang? (laughs) Nothing, right? He ain't got shit. (laughs) He's got pussy, though. He's got a bunch of bitches. He's got some
1: girls, yeah. Yeah,
0: he's got some bitches. So he'd, he'd, you know, ha- have at it, man. You can fuck any one of these girls you want. They all had clap, by the way. They all had fucking STDs and shit. Because, <laughs> no. uh, dude, um, <laughs> even the fucking, the, the one dude from the Straight Saints was like, I had to clap like seven times at that goddamn <laughs> ranch, dude. Even all went- dog had clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Straight up. So, like, they all went to the free clinic. And what's fucked up? is I'm pretty sure the clinic like the free fucking health clinic was in the same building as Charles Manson's parole officer because Manson would visit his PO and the girls would go get fucking medicine for gonorrhea and shit. Like all the say, like, Oh, let's just go down and I'll see my PO. You get some fucking get rid of the clap and we're all good. We'll go back to fucking, you know, i doing drugs and shit. Um, so he he was doing that for protection but the straight satans were like fuck you you know like we don't care about you but they thought he was a funny little awkward guy and and they liked fucking and partying and doing drugs so they would hang out but manson was like trying to recruit them as like full-blown protection and they're like the straight satans work for the straight satans they're not gonna worry about this little charles manson guy
1: That's probably perception though
0: yeah yeah right that's enough. So, Right. So that's, that's what he was terrified of, but obviously the black Panthers never came spoiler alert. The black Panthers never came to spawn wrench, but what did happen is Tex Watson ended up. I think I'm, I think I, earlier I said that he was taking drugs from straight Satans and that, that's not true. That was a dealer. The straight Satans came after he shot the black Panthers. So I got to retract that statement or whatever. He, Tex Watson burned crow and a drug dealer, not the straight Satan. So let's get that straight. Um, But anyway, so Tex Watson sells some meth to the straight Satans, like a thousand dollars worth. And the next day they're like, this shit's bunk. I don't want it. Give me my fucking money back. And they're like, fuck you. Like, that's not how this shit works. Like, I know the drugs are good, but They're the goddamn straight Satan's. What are you going to say to these guys? You know, they were just trying to get their shit for free. They thought that they can buy the drugs, do them party. And then the next day through intimidation, get their fucking money back. Yeah. Well, they weren't having that The little tiny fucking Manson crew wasn't having that. But what they, 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 they ended up deciding like, fuck that. We're going to, we got to give these guys their money or they're going to fucking kill us, beat all of our asses. So they went to this dude named Gary Hinman. This is the first murder in the whole fucking Manson family fiasco. He was a music teacher. Charles Manson sent Bobby Boussole, uh Mary Brunner, his baby mama, and uh, Susan Atkins. Sent those three to this dude's house, Gary Hinman. And I'm pretty sure he was a drug dealer. And I think that's who they got the shit from originally or something. Or this guy owed Manson a thousand bucks, something. Somehow Gary Hinman got involved. Well, they go to his house and Gary Hinman's like, I don't got no fucking money. Fuck you. You know, I'm not giving you shit.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so they call Charles Manson. He's like, well, you know what to do. So um, Manson ended up showing up and cutting the guy's fucking ear off with a goddamn sword. And he like sliced his face up, cut his fucking ear off. Bobby Boussale stabbed the shit out of him. Uh, while the girls smothered him with a pillow, then Charles Manson said, oh, oh, they did get Bobby Boussale did get Gary Hinman to sign his two cars over. He had like two shitty cars in the driveway. And, uh, Bobby Boussale is like, well, we can get a thousand bucks for these fucking cars. So let's just do that. So Bobby Boussale gave him the cars and all that, but they knew they couldn't just walk away because Gary Hinman would fucking, tell on him you know so that we got to fucking kill him you know um but then it was Manson's bright idea to blame it on the Black Panthers so they took his blood they wrote political piggy on it and then they made a panther uh they're like their symbol or whatever they drew it in blood on the wall to make the police think that it was the fucking Black Panthers so they took the fucking cars it's like the middle of the night they go straight to the straight satans pay off their debt All's forgiven. Cool, whatever. It's all done. But then like two fucking days later, Bobby Boussoulet gets pulled over in Gary Hinman's car. And they're like, you know, this you're driving a dead man's car. So they fucking arrested his ass and he got busted for Bobby or for Gary Hinman's murder. So, boom, there's one fucking guy right there connected to the Manson family that committed murder. He's in jail for it. Right
1: mm.
0: now they want to get Bobby out. How the fuck are we going to get Bobby out? That's when they started the other murders. This is my opinion. I think that Helter Skelter was all bullshit. That was a thing that the prosecuting attorney, Vincent Bugliosi, fabricated to connect Manson to the murders. Because he could have got the three girls and Tex Watson on murder. Because they all admitted to it. They had no fucking problem admitting to it. But you can't put Manson at the scene. Manson was fucking 45 minutes away. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know I say, you know what I mean a lot? And I bitch at my oh, wife you're for good. doing it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he was fucking 45 minutes away. He wasn't there. So the only way Vincent Bugliosi could fucking attach Manson to it is through this Helter Skelter fiasco bullshit. But it was all in to get Bobby Boussoulet out of jail. Let's commit fucking murders that look like the Gary Hinman murder. We're going to blame it on the fucking Black Panthers and we're going to get Bobby out of jail because clearly if they got the wrong guy, right? If these murders are still happening while Bobby's in jail. So Charles Manson chose Terry Melcher's house at 10050 Cielo Drive. He thought Terry Melcher lived there. Terry Melcher moved out months ago and rented it to Roman Polanski, the fucking movie director, the guy who made Rosemary's Baby and shit. And he was... uh Married to Sharon Tate, the most beautiful woman to ever live, in my opinion, dude. So anyway, yeah, dude, like, Sharon Tate is, like, so ahead of her time with beauty. Like, just women did not look like that, dude. Like, she was just fucking crazy hot. Anyway, she was eight months fucking pregnant. Uh, So Manson wanted these motherfuckers to go up to that house to kill them all in the house because they owed a debt. Terry Melcher did anyway. He didn't know all these other fucking people were there, dude. But the other people that were in the house. It was Sharon Tate, eight months pregnant. Jay Sebring, who was a, uh, he was like a hairstylist for the movie stars. And uh, Abigail Folger was there. Folger's Coffee. She was like the Harris to the Folger Coffee Company. And her boyfriend, Wojtek Frykowski. He was obviously some kind of fucking Polish immigrant dude or whatever. Anyway, this house was so frequented and the, they, they partied and shit so often that when these fucking free people went into the house. Oh, Linda Kasabian was with them, too. So when they all went into the house, um, one of them walked past Abigail Folger's bedroom and she was like in her pajamas sit, lay, sitting on her bed reading a book. She just fucking waved at her, dude. Like Susan Atkins walks down the hallway, peeks in the bedroom window. The chicks sit and they just they wave at each other, dude. But anyway, Susan Atkins claims that Manson told them, go with text, do what he tells you to do. Leave something witchy. That's what they said. And later on, like in the 80s, Susan Atkins said that they were also told to kill every person on that street. They were supposed to break into every house, but I don't know how true that is. I don't believe a lot of Susan Atkins. I think she's kind of a fucking (laughs) loop. She's fucking batshit crazy, dude. But anyway, um, we'll get into the girls a little later. So what they did, they hopped the gate. They cut the phone lines. While this is going on, There was, like, the groundskeeper. He was a young dude. He lived in, like, a side house, like a carriage house or whatever. Mm -hmm. Took care of the flowers and shit like that. Some dude he knew named Stephen Parent came over there to see if he wanted to buy a radio. I think Stephen Parent was, like, 18 or some shit. He shows up to Homeboy's. Nah, I don't want to buy the radio. All right, cool, man. Gets in his car, fucking starts heading down the driveway. Meanwhile, Tex Watson and these fucking three girls walk up on him. Tex just, blow shoots him four times in the chest and kills him. Doesn't say a fucking word. Then they come up to the house. They cut the fucking screen, climb in. Wojtek Frykowski's laying on the couch. Tex Watson kind of nudges him and he wakes up. and What the fuck are you? Who are you doing here? Or who are you? What are you doing here? And Tex Watson says, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business. They start rounding all these fucking people up. They get them into the living room. They tie a rope around J.C. Brings neck or Sharon Tate's neck. One of them first. Throw the rope over the fucking balcony thing. Tie it to the other person's neck. They were going to plan on like hanging them at the same time. But the rope was way too fucking long. So they just fucking tied them up. Instant fucking chaos just fucking happens. Voightech's a big dude. He's fighting back. He uh, he gets the shit stabbed out of him. He starts heading out to the lawn. They fucking catch him, stab the fuck out of him. Abigail Folger did the same thing, ran out the house. They caught her, stabbed her to death. I think it was Patricia Krenwekel or Leslie Van Houten It was one of those that were stabbing her, and she said that she remember her saying, I'm already dead while she was stabbing her she had a white gown on if you ever see the crime scene photos they're pretty fucked up dude i was looking at them last night and uh her fucking gown looks pink you can tell it was white but it looks pink like the whole thing is pink and like the bottom looked like it was a pink dress with white trim that's how much fucking blood
1: it's like some uh some rob zombie
0: songs some lyrics (laughs) it absolutely was remember white zombie i'm already dead I'm already yeah. dead. Yeah, that yeah. was it. That was that was her fucking that was her real thing with the Diane Sawyer interview. So um, one of,
1: of the House of Thousand Corpses is like geared around. That.
0: Yeah. When um, when baby mm-hmm. Sherry Moon, when she's standing there like when someone needs to be killed, you kill them. And that's the way there was some girl in the Manson family that said that she was like holding a big fucking knife and yeah. she had like red hair. But yeah, she said that Manson takes a lot of his shit or I mean, Rob Zombie takes a lot of his stuff from Marilyn Manson. I think he's like on the fan side like I am right of Charles Manson. Did I say Marilyn? Yeah. Oh, well, fuck that guy. Um, (laughs) Charles Manson's way fucking cooler. (laughs) I'm a big fan. I love Charles Manson. I don't give a fuck. It sucks that people died. That's fucked up. But I'm a big fan of the whole... F- I'm interested in the whole thing. It's a fucking crazy-ass thing that happened. Yeah, you're it's intrigued. It's f- part of fucking history, in my opinion. Right. Um, Getting off track. What the fuck was I talking about before that? Oh, but yeah, Rob Zombie borrows a lot of his shit. In fact, there's a really good documentary called Charles Manson, The Final Words. And Rob Zombie fucking narrates it. And it's pretty sweet. It's only like five bucks on Prime. Totally worth the five bucks. Oh, so that's anyway, what you told me today. Yeah, it's Man. really good. It's really fucking good. Because most of it is Charles Manson talking. Most of it's in his own words. And then the other is like Rob Zombie narrating it. It's really fucking gnarly. Oh, wow. Um And it's right uh, towards like the end of Charles Manson's life. So everything's in there. It wasn't made in fucking 1993. You know what I mean? It's updated as fuck. So anyway... Uh, Sharon Tate, eight months pregnant She's like, I just want to have my baby Let me live, let me have this baby And then you can fucking kill me And Susan Atkins is like I have zero mercy for you or your fucking baby So they fucking kill these people There's a shit ton of blood Around Sharon's body There's not much around Jay Sebring's body Because I was looking at the fucking crime scene photos Last night And it's just, Sharon Tate's so brutal It's fucked up There's a lot of blood around her and on the way out, Susan Atkins grabs like a towel or a pillowcase or something, dips it in Sharon Tate's blood. When they walk out, she writes the word pig on the front door in Sharon Tate's blood. And then she just threw the towel and then they took off. Well, the towel happened to land on J. Sebring's head. So he's laying on his side. He's got a rope tied around his neck and you can see like this white it looked like a KKK hood on his fucking head and that's where a lot of the rumors came up like oh they were devil worshipers they had hoods on their heads and no that was a fucking accident she just threw it and that's where it landed um now she fucking wrote pig on the front door in blood her original plan was she wanted to cut out the baby but she's like but we didn't have time i wanted to smash their eyeballs on the walls and write stuff with their eyeballs she Jeez. said that, yeah, this is what Susan Atkins said. I think she was saying all this to her cellmate because they got arrested for other shit. They had like two raids happen on the ranch, and one of them uh was for stolen dune buggies because they were always they were like stealing Volkswagens and stealing cars and like turning them into dune buggies so they can cruise around in the desert. And then one of them they lit a bunch of fucking uh like digging equipment on fire like they burned a bunch of fucking caterpillars and backhoes and shit they set them all on fire now in the movie the movie and the book will tell you that the reason why they fucking set all those machines on fire is because they were in the desert digging holes to confuse the manson family because they were looking for the bottomless pit but i think this is all bullshit but there's probably some fucking truth to it dude because they were all tripping their balls off On acid, like, every day. Susan Atkins was, like, 21 years old, and she said that she's tripped, like, 300 times. That's almost every day in a year. And the Manson family was together for only, like, two years, dude. So that's, like, every other day taking acid. Um. So, yeah. Anyway, you know who owns that front door? You know who moved in? It was 10050 Cielo Drive where that fucking murder happened. You know who moved into that house after
1: was it Trent Reznor?
0: Trent fucking Reznor, the yeah. singer of Nine Inch Nails. And he recorded, I think it was Portrait of an American Family in that fucking house. Wow. Yeah, dude. And when he moved out, he took the front door with him. That's, and pretty, then, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so that fucking door with Sharon Tate's blood on it, it's—I'm sure its I'm sure it's gone now. They washed it off, you know, the fucking crime scene people. But yeah, Trent Ressler took the fucking front door with him. Like, fuck you. I think he was renting it too. I don't think he, I don't know if he bought it. I think he might've been renting it. (laughs) Wonder if he still got it? (laughs) That's what I, I bet, dude, he'd be stupid not to. I Man, that's so fucked up. But I, I'd love to have that fucking thing. I wish I wrote him. Like when I was in high school reading Helter Skelter, I would finish Helter Skelter and start it again. That's how fascinated I was with this shit. Um, and at the end of the book, it has his goddamn address, with his fucking prison number and everything. Like, if you want to write Damn. this guy, this is how to do it. And I never fucking wrote him. And I, 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 to this day, I kick myself in the balls for not writing Charles Manson. But I was like, what am I gonna say? You know, he gets fucking a hundred letters every day, and I just never wrote them. And I really wish I did, because who knows? I could have got if I got one letter back, that'd be fucking awesome. You know how much money that'd be worth? They, yeah. I think his letters sell for like a thousand dollars or something. Yeah, I, but I, wouldn't I know somebody
1: sell that's selling them like crazy. Merle, yeah. uh, Merle Allen, G.G. Allen's uh, brother. Oh, he was writing them, dude, dude. He's all the time selling Charles Manson letters. Really? I can point you in the direction. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get one. They're signed and everything.
0: As long as they're not ridiculously priced.
1: Uh,
0: I'd have to see. I'm not spending a thousand dollars on it. No, but...
1: I think I think a couple of them. I think he said were like six to eight hundred dollars.
0: Oh, I got his hair. I got yeah. I got I got some of his hair. I used to but have I mean, his ashes. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they talk about that too that uh there's other documentary. Wrote- oh, I was watching his son. He's got like four fucking kids and his he had a Michael Channels was Charles Manson's pen pal for several several years and they got along really well. Well, this other guy came out his name is Jason Freeman, and he claimed to be Charles Manson's grandson. And he's like, I want the Manson estate. I want all of his fucking shit. I want his body. I want everything. And they're like, okay, well, you got to take a DNA test. And he's like, fuck that. I'm not taking a DNA test. I just, I'm just i his grandson, goddamn it." And they're like, well, then fuck you. You're not getting it, you know? And meanwhile, Michael Channels is fighting him. But I think Jason ended up getting all the shit. And a lot of it went to... Zach Bagans, the guy from Ghost Adventures, the fucking paranormal investigator, because a lot of it is in his museum in Las Vegas. And they talk about that because there's a YouTube video with uh, Matthew Roberts, the guy in the band I was telling you about that played in Rockford. He's from Eau Claire. He. um, There's a fucking really cool, like half hour long interview with him on YouTube, and he talks about it, about the whole court thing and how he found out Charles Manson was his dad and all that shit. Um, it is fucking wild. He was in the system basically like he was fucking adopted and then he was going to get married and they were going to have a kid and his, his wife was like, well, let's do one of those 23 and me things. I want to find out your heritage and my heritage. That way, when we have a kid, we know what all the heritage is, but this was like before 23 and me, it was like in 1993 and it was super fucking expensive to do this shit So the guy's like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I don't really care about if I'm 20% Scottish and 30% this, he didn't give a fuck, but he ended up going through the system and finding out who his real mother was. And she basically, in so many words told him that Charles Manson was his dad. Um, She never came out and said it, but everything matched up because like I said earlier, when he was in cook County in Chicago, And he's fucking, he was like born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin or whatever. His grandma's from there or some shit. That's all around the same fucking area. The same time he was conceived in 1967. That's when Manson got out when he was 33. That's when he was with Matthew's mom. Matthew says, ask Charles Manson if he remembered his mom. He said, yeah. And uh, they just, they never got around to doing a DNA test, but he's pretty fucking sure Manson's his dad. The guy looks just fucking like him, dude. It's crazy how fucking much he looks like him. But, so I'm pretty sure that's his fucking son too. Um, The fuck else was I talking about before that? Do you ever read the book Chaos about how the CIA was using Manson to... Yeah, I, I was going to get into that at the very end. I was going to surprise Audie with that. So you just fucking ruined it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who is this not Chase person? <laughs>
1: Spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that big of a deal. Um, But yeah, there is a book called Chaos. Um, I think that guy was on Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm not for sure. It might have been somebody else. But anyway, we'll get there later. So that kind of sums up the whole fucking Sharon Tate murder fiasco. Like they fucking did that because they wanted it to look like people were out there killing people while Bobby Boussoulay was in jail for Gary Hinton's murder. And they wanted to blame it on the fucking Black Panthers. It wasn't about a fucking race war. I don't think, and it wasn't about Revelation 9 in the Bible. It wasn't about the fucking White Album, Helder Skelter, none of that shit. Um, Now, when they did this, it was pure fucking chaos. There was bodies everywhere because they walked in the house and they're like, you're going to die tonight. So there was fucking chaos. Manson's like, I'm going to show you how to fucking do this." this. That's one side of it, why he took them into this neighborhood to teach him how to kill basically. But I don't really think that's what happened, but there was a dude. I wish I remember what fucking documentary this was. There was a dude that like Manson and them partied with at his house. And there was this guy named zero and he fucking played Russian roulette with a full gun and killed himself. But I think he was fucking murdered. I think they killed him in this dude's house and then they told the cops, this guy fucking shot himself. And I bet they set it up. And in 1968 or whatever, that probably wasn't very fucking hard to do. Oh, a fucking right. drug. He shot himself. Fucking call the newspapers. You know, this shit happens all the fucking time. They didn't give a fuck. Um, But there's this documentary where they interview that dude. And, like, he catches himself up. Like, it's I'll find out what documentary it is. But it's fucking great. You got to check it out. Anyway, I think... Um, so the Manson family at one point stayed at this house and partied there and everything. Lino and Rosemary LaBianca lived next door to this dude. And they called the cops on the Manson family when they were fucking partying next door. Here's your revenge. So that's why Manson has them go into this house to fucking kill them. None of this shit was random. Everybody fucking says this was all random. It wasn't fucking random, I think. I think Manson fucking held a grudge and he wanted, he's like, all right, well, fuck it. We're going to kill people. That way we can get Bobby out. Let's kill these guys. They're fucking assholes. Remember them? They called the cops on us. But in Helter Skelter, in the book, it did say that Manson snuck up to one house, peeked in the windows and he saw pictures of children on the wall. And he's like, no, not that house. We're not going to do this house. But he did say to them, someday there might be children and you will have to kill them. But I won't do that to you tonight. So anyway, Manson goes into Lino and Rosemary LaBianca's house, ties them up, steals their shit. Says, "I'm not gonna hurt you." Sneaks out. Then Tex and the girls come in and fucking slaughtered them. They uh, Manson said that they all had to get their hands dirty, so they took turns stabbing them. They fucking there was a like a fork protruding from Lino's stomach. They carved the word "war" into his stomach. There was a steak knife sticking out of his fucking throat. Um, they wrote Rise on the Wall, which I think was a Beatles song, I think, but it was also like a Black Panther thing. And um, they wrote Helter Skelter and Blood on the refrigerator, but they fucking spelled it wrong. They wrote Helter Skelter. It was H E A L T. These fucking idiots wrote Hielter Skelter. They fucking ate watermelon. They spit the seeds in the fucking sink. They left the rinds in the sink, took a fucking shower and hitchhiked back to the fucking ranch. That's how comfortable these people were murdering dude. So with Rosemary, they fucking took the lamp that was next to the bed and tied the cord around her neck and choked her with it. And they stabbed her. She was already dead. And Texas like everyone's got to get their hands dirty and hands one of the girls, the knife. I think it was uh, it was either Leslie Van Houten or Patricia Krenwinkel And she stabbed her in her ass like 16 times. And uh, yeah, like lower back ass area. And if you look at the, it's crazy. If you look at the crime scene photos, like you can see a shit, like it shows her naked ass and there's like a bunch of little fucking knife wounds in it. It's crazy. That's wild, man. It's fucked up. Um, what then Manson had this fucking plan. He stole, uh, her purse Like her little wallet that goes inside her purse that had her credit cards and all that shit in it. They drove to this black hood, this predominantly African-American neighborhood. and But here's what's fucked up. Only 1% of that community was black people. So Manson didn't know his shit. Manson thought they were going to go to the fucking ghetto, go to a gas station. He told Linda Kasabian to put that girl's wallet... In the bathroom, and he's like, some someone, some black person is going to find this wallet, use the credit cards, boom, get busted for Rosemary and Lino LaBianca's murder, you know. But Linda Kasabian went into the girl's bathroom and dropped it in the fucking tank of the toilet <laughs> instead of hiding it because she, apparently she didn't want to be a part of this. She was there on both fucking nights. But she says she had nothing to do with any of the murders. And and the movie shows that when they walk up, she's like crying. And Texas is like, go wait in the car. Because he knew she would be a fucking problem. So apparently Linda Kasabian did nothing. But I don't necessarily fucking believe that. She did get immunity in the fucking trial for her testimony. The defense said, we can't charge you with Shit. As long as you fucking testify, but you have to testify to this, 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 and this. You have to fucking say Helter Skelter was the plan. So she'll fucking say anything to not go to prison for the rest of her life. I would. I fucking would. I don't care. I'd lie on the stand. Oh, I guess I'm the first person to ever lie under oath. You know, what the fuck? Everybody fucking lies under oath, man. But yeah, I think she told... And like, dude, Vincent Bugliosi fucking lied. Like, so many fucking people in the courtroom fucking lied during this shit. But none of this fucking came out till later. Like, nobody knew about these lies until like the fucking 90s. And no one gave a fuck anymore. It might have even been later. I think they found out all this shit after the fact. Manson's already dead. I think they found out about the lies. I don't know how true this is, but I heard that if you lie under oath during a murder trial... They can charge you with murder. Like, I don't think the charge is murder, but you'll do the same sentence as a murderer. Like, you could go to the gas chamber if you lie on the stand during a murder case. I don't know how true that is, but oh, I wow. heard that. Yeah, I heard that up. I heard someone say that before, and it was in another podcast. So I don't know how fucking true that is. But anyway, Linda Kasabian bitched out, put the fucking wallet in the toilet the bowl the tank part and months months later when they all got busted and shit she fucking told that story they went to that gas station lifted the lid off the tank there it fucking was sitting right there in the fucking tank man nobody ever found it damn fucking nuts right so had someone have found it you know that's what I'm saying. If someone would have found it, it changed everything. Yeah, and I get what he's saying. Like, oh, we'll put it in the fucking in the in the ghetto, in the fucking hood, and someone's gonna grab it and use it. But he was he picked the wrong hood. It wasn't a ghetto, it was a decent area. You know what I mean? It was it was fucked up. And I don't mean and I don't mean like oh, there wasn't any black people there, it was a good neighborhood. That's not what I'm fucking saying.
1: I'm just <laughs> no, saying he saying. he
0: thought it was a shitty black ghetto neighborhood. And that a black person would find it and fucking use these credit cards. But after the fact, like we find out later that like 1% of the fucking residents of that neighborhood were black people. So it wasn't even the right neighborhood that he was talking about. But color of skin doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. Whatever. I'm just saying this was in fucking Manson's eyes. So that's basically it as far as the murders go. They think that there was like 33 murders that the Manson family committed over this whole thing like one of the fucking attorneys wound up dead um he's a big guy with a big red beard long red hair he was a acquaintance of the manson family he was one of the girls his lawyers and one day he just didn't show up to court and they ended up finding his fucking body off a mm. cliff he was like wedged under a rock like somebody pushed him off a fucking cliff Um, they, you know, they say it was a suicide. Some people think it was an accident. Some people think the Manson family killed him because Manson didn't like the way this guy wanted to run the girl's case. He was, they were trying to like weed. I don't know what they were trying to do, but that's, that's what ended up fucking happening. But, and then Shorty Shea, he was a ranch hand. He went missing. They have, they still haven't found his body, but the story is, is they cut him up into nine pieces and buried them somewhere in the desert. And I think uh, Bruce Davis is the guy to do that. I think Bruce Davis was the one who killed Shorty Shay, chopped them up and put him in the fucking in the holes or whatever. But anyway, so when they all got, all right, so how they got caught, I told you about how they were all arrested. There was two different raids on the ranch, but it was for arson and one was for grand theft auto they got let go because the fucking paperwork had the wrong date on it. Like they busted them on the, on the fucking 13th. Well, the fucking Warren said the 16th or whatever. So they had to let them go. They couldn't fucking dig the whole Manson family. After fucking committing these murders, walk the fuck out of the fucking jail. Um, the way they got busted was while Susan Atkins was in fucking jail for that bullshit. She blabbed to her fucking cellmate. And she's like, the cops around here are so fucking stupid. You know about that fucking murder in Benedict Canyon with all the movie stars? Uh, She's like, you know who did it, right? You're looking at her. And she fucking spilled the beans on everything to her fucking cellmate. This bitch wouldn't shut the fuck up. She sang like a bird. She's kind of like me. So fucking, that's why I like her so much. No, she's a hottie, though. Susan Atkins is fucking hot um she don't look like it on my t-shirt or like in the court or anything but like when she did an interview in the 80s man she's a betty but anyway um what the fuck was (laughs) she's the hottest one dude um so that girl her cellmate ended up saying hey I, i told on her was like this fucking crazy bitch get her out of my cell she fucking told me that they fucking killed all these people Um, so they all get busted. They start admitting to it and shit. Manson's like, I didn't fucking do shit. I wasn't there. I was at fucking spawn ranch banging some chick, you know, they were out there fucking or killing people and shit. But after talking to more people and more people, one of the straight Satans, uh, narked on him too, because I think he had like some gun violations that he wanted to go away. And he's like, well, if you get rid of these gun violations, I'll fucking tell you what I know about Charles Manson and everything. And they talked about this whole helter-skelter bullshit, how Revelation 9 in the Bible talks about, like, four people that have chest plates of iron. And Manson thought the chest plates of iron were guitars. They had hair of women or whatever. Like, oh, they had long hair when they made the White Album. They breathed fire. Well, that was their singing, their vocal cords. And... uh they In they, they, and, and Revelation 9, it talks about the bottomless pit and there's a key holder. Supposedly, there was a fifth member of the Beatles that died or some shit. Manson says he was like the fifth member of the Beatles resurrected, but he is also Jesus. And uh, he fucking he was the key holder to the bottomless pit. And what was going to happen was Helter Skelter was this race war because the song Helter Skelter talks about a slide. Right. When I get to the bottom I go back to the top of the slide, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, he was saying that that was a metaphor for the black community, for the black man, because they're on the bottom. Well, they're about to be on top after this. So they're going to kill all these famous white people. The blacks and the whites are going to go at war. The black people are going to win. And after all the white people are dead, meanwhile, Manson family's hiding out in the desert in the bottomless pit. There's no more white people on the planet, only black people. but. Black people now are in control of the world, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to run it because they only know what the white man taught them. They they don't want to be cops and judges and lawyers and doctors and all this. So here comes Charles Manson out of the bottomless pit. And he's going to teach him how to fucking rule the world. And then it's going to be his world. That's <laughs> Helter Skelter in a nutshell. That's Helter Skelter. That was Vincent Bugliosi's fucking thing. That's what he thought that's what he was claiming helter skelter was and the only fucking way he could connect manson and get him tried for the murder or conspiracy or whatever was if he could tie him to helter skelter and he obviously could because everybody talked about helter skelter and that's how they tied him into it so they got sentenced to death the death penalty but several years later uh the Supreme court ruled it, uh, forgot. I'm fucking catching a buzz. I can't, I can't remember what they ruled it, but anyway, inhumane or whatever. And, uh, they canceled the fucking death penalty.
1: Inhumane.
0: Yeah. It's whatever. It's uh cruel and unusual or some shit. So they took away the death penalty and all of their sentences got fucking switched over to life. So they all had to do life in prison. Tex Watson, he was tried separate. He's in prison in Texas. He's like a fucking televangelist, dude. In the um, in the early two thousands, I remember seeing him on TV way late at night, and he was a fucking preacher on like on TV, dude. Tex fucking Watson, Charles Watson. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fucked up. But I'm trying to think. So. I'm trying to look at my notes here. I got a bunch of fucking notes that I'm trying to think of. Let's see. I don't know. His whole fucking thing. I don't I don't think it was death and all this shit and Helter Skelter. I think he just wanted to fuck bitches and take acid, man. I think that's all he wanted to do. And he wanted to play his fucking guitar. He just wanted to be a rock star. And uh, But then the, the people started getting antsy because he probably did talk about Helter Skelter. Oh, Helter Skelter's coming, man. Can you dig it? And they're all fucking tripping. And then they're like, well, yeah. when's manther coming? And he's got 30 annoying bitches talking on his pant leg. When's Healther Scout? going to happen. Charlie, you said Healther Scout. He's like, shut up, bitch. Go fucking kill some people. Go start it. Go fucking start Helter Skelter. <laughs> That's what I think that was too. high. Yeah. Right. But now he's like, well, fuck all these girls are thinking I'm lying. And And Tex Watson was like, Charles Manson was no badass. He was five foot two. Tex Watson's a fucking football player cowboy. He, you know, he he was in charge. And uh, I, I just, that's what I fucking think happened, man, is they were all getting antsy and they wanted this fucking Helter Skelter to happen. So they fucking pushed it. So a lot of it I think was to try to copycat murders to get Bobby Boussoulet out of jail. And then it was like, yeah, fine. Fucking Helter Skelter will happen. Shut the fuck up. Um, Let me see here. In fucking 1989, Manson said he didn't want to get paroled. He went up for parole 11 fucking times. He got denied every goddamn time. And in 1989, he said he didn't want to get paroled because everybody wants a piece of me. He said he's like, everybody fucking writes me and everybody wants a little piece of me. And I give and give. And then at the end of the day, I got nothing left. I'm gone. You know, and he's like, if I get out, everyone's going to ride my fucking coattails. Everyone's going to want to hang out with me and fucking, you know, use me to make money or whatever to be famous. He's like, I don't want all that shit. But I think he really just didn't want to get out because all he fucking knew was prison. Yeah. He was comfortable. There's sex in prison. It might not be the kind you like, but it's there. You know, dudes, be fucking up in jail, dude, for reals. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I yeah, think it's uh, like,
0: learn how to fight or get fucked. That's how prison is. That's what man. That's a Manson quote. Uh, we should put so that little, on a shirt. Dude. Learn how to fight or get fucked. I got a couple quotes I'd like to put. Whenever we, after we make our OJ Simpson shirts, we got to make a Charles Manson shirt. I want to, I want to like fight or get fucked. Or uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not a violent person. That's a Charles Manson quote. He said that. Uh, I love this Charles Manson quote. This is my favorite one probably. He said, yesterday is gone. You don't carry it down the road in a sack. I thought that was pretty fucking cool. Like, let the past be the past, man. But I've always been worried about or wondered about his X tattoo on his forehead. And Helter Skelter, in the book, he claimed that it was that he X'd himself out of the establishment. He x himself from our world. And then the women followed. He shaved his head and the women followed. And a lot of people say Like my dad, for example, was like, oh, man, he could fucking he could brainwash people and like all these bitches carved X's in their head. And they didn't even talk like how they know how to do that. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they are fucking sending kites and shit. They were talking. I'm pretty sure. But that's just how that's how crazy it was. Everybody was just so fucking big into it. And you didn't have the Internet then. So you could just say whatever you want at the game of telephone. Everything fucking changes from person to person. That's how you get rumors of removing your ribs to suck your own dick. You know, (laughs) but his fucking, uh, so it was an ax and then he changed it into a swastika. And I was told by a friend that he probably changed it because the AB, the Aryan brotherhood was fucking with him and was like, you're going to fucking change that to a fucking swastika motherfucker. We're going to kill you or rape you or whatever. And, but they asked him about the, like, are you, are you American Nazi a neo-Nazi? Do you like the Nazi party? And he said, My Nazi party. It's my Nazi party. That's me since 1943. That's what he said. He's like, I've been, this is my Nazi party. And it's like, whatever the fuck that means. Like every time he's asked a fucking question, he never answers it. Yeah. He answers it in a stupid, roundabout fucking way. A lot yeah, his, of times. His interviews answered. were
1: wild, man. That's what it me
0: about him. They're hard to, like, watch for hours because I'm just like, fucking say something that's relevant, please. It's just so fucking stupid. It's like, it's worse than Kurt Cobain lyrics, man. (laughs) Nothing on top of a bucket and a mop and an illustrator. What? A what? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Anyway... and then when Geraldo Rivera, that's, this is a fucking douchebag. Fuck you, Geraldo. Yeah, I'm like glad you guys broke on that one episode with a chair. <laughs> he fucking, everybody that interviews interviews him is a little fucking cunt. They're all a bunch of little assholes and they think they're fucking tough guys because they went into a room without him being chained up. Like they think they're badasses, and they're totally acting that way. And they're just super arrogant And they're just assholes. They treat him like shit. And it's like, yeah, he fucking, I don't know. Fuck Gacy. Treat him like shit. Don't treat Charles Manson like shit. He didn't kill anybody. Fucking bitch. But anyway, Geraldo asked him, so what's the fucking swastika? Why is it on your forehead? Do you like Hitler? And he's like, it's my father's name. That's what Charles Manson said. (laughs) The swastika was his father's name like whatever the fuck that means. Okay, dude. And then in the same fucking interview like 1988 when he was talking about yeah, it's my Nazi party. That's me. I've been locked up since 1943. He also said that it was about the Uganda plane crash where eight people died. Cause she asked him again, like later, like so, what's up with the swastika? And he's like, "Remember that plane in Uganda that blew up with all them kids?" And he's like, There's... <laughs> like "What? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember that. It was just, it was fucking ridiculous, man. The guy's a fucking nut job. I think that he just talks a bunch of shit to talk shit because he wants to be mysterious. I think that he just he don't want anybody to figure him out. There's probably not much to figure out. The guy's been in prison." For fucking ever. Like, what does he know other than shit that he read in books? What's he supposed to fucking say when you ask him a question? He don't know about real life. How's he supposed to fucking answer it, man? Yeah. But he was asked if he did get out of prison, what would he do? And uh he said if he got out, he'd just play music. He'd plant some trees. He liked working in the dirt. He's like, I used to plant fig trees. And I fucked up because... It used to be every other, every other one is supposed to be male, female, male, female. He didn't know that. He just planted a bunch of fig trees and fucked them up. And uh, she was like, well, how are you going to support yourself? And he's like, how does a deer support itself? You know, he's like fucking wherever I sleep, that's where I'm going to sleep. He's like, I'll plant fucking fig trees. I'll eat my figs and I'll trade this guy this for that. And I'll have raisins in my pocket and all this shit. It's like, all right, dude. <laughs> um, He said some shit about when he was asked, if, like, because he's like, oh, because he's just so weird. He contradicts himself all the time. And I think he literally just says the first thing that comes to his mind. He don't have a real answer. So when asked, like, well, who's the devil? I'm the devil. You're the devil. I'm God. You're God, baby. Everybody's God. That's just how we fucking talk. But then they said some shit about, he, he said something about, like, everybody's the devil. And she's like, so men are the devil? He's like, yeah. Women are the devil? Yeah. Yeah. She's like, do you think women are worse? He's like, hell yeah, women are worse. He's like, look at the queen. The queen never fought no war. She sends men to the war, you know, and like he said that women are in charge, though. He said women have the power. He said women send us to work. They have the grocery store. I got the fishing pole. <laughs> I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> it kind of makes yeah, sense.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It's like what Dave Chappelle said that men are hunters. Women are the prey. The nice car is the bait, you know, if you got it, if you smell good, you look good, you're intriguing. You got a nice car. Good job. Gotcha. Bitch, you know, that's, that's that's how you hunt. But that's pretty much all I got on it. Um, Oh, this is a really cool statement too, that I really thought was awesome by Charles Manson. Um, the lady asked him, so how do you get people to do? She's like, so did, were you able to get people to do what you wanted them to do? And he's like, Oh, hell yeah. She's like, well, how do you get people to do what you want to do? And he's like, anybody can do that. And he points to the prison guard. He's like, that guy with the stick, that stick's making me do whatever it wants to do for the last 43 years. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, damn, that's fucked up. He's right, though. He's like, you know, but sometimes I got the stick. Sometimes you got the stick, you know. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. In
1: In a weird way, he made sense. Yeah, for In sure. In his own little way he made sense. And that's why I was so intrigued by watching some of his interviews. Because, uh, you know that's all we had. You know. Right. What you and I had. We we just read and watched YouTube videos uh and documentaries, but I found him very intriguing. Um one of his ones where he's a he's, he mentions he's a nobody, he's just a hobo. Um I thought that was a yeah. pretty good interview.
0: I've seen interviews, too, like the one with Diane Sawyer, when he starts the interview, like, I'm a 15-year-old girl in Tennessee. And I'm like, what? And then later you find out he's talking about his mom, you know? But it's just the way he talks is just fucking weird. Well, why didn't you just say my mom, you know? Yeah. He reminds me of you a little bit in this one instance. <laughs> um, our first episode, we talk about you setting the mayor's fucking lawn on fire. Yeah. Well, Charles Manson said that his mom didn't want nothing to do with him. He had no dad. He had no parents. He stayed with the aunt and uncle. He said all of his uncles were mountain men. They didn't go to schools. His uncles would take him up to the mountains, teach him how to hunt, whatever, and be like, the war is not over. The South didn't lose. We're still rebels. That's what his uncles would tell him. And he's like, don't go to them Yankee schools, boy. That's what he told him. He's like, so the next day I set the school on fire. When he was nine years old. <laughs> it's fucked so, up.
1: Maybe I found the way after I set the set the marriage yard on
0: fire. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's maybe you're one of his sons and your mom's been lying to you the whole fucking time. Yeah. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would be crazy. I don't like, think the dates would match up, though. You'd be a lot that, older.
1: That reminds me. Uh, Brittany bought a 23 and me kit. Yeah. For both of us. So. I'm going to take it and see where I come from, I guess.
0: Do it. Fuck it. Um, I highly recommend reading Helter Skelter. It's, it's through the eyes of Vincent Bugliosi and Kurt Gentry. I think it's a fascinating book. It's thick as fuck, but it's fucking great. Lots of facts in there, but it is through the eyes of Vincent Bugliosi. So you gotta, you gotta take that for example, but another great fucking phenomenal book is Manson in his own words. I'm looking at it right now. It is it's called Manson in His Own Words, Destroying a Myth. The True Confessions of Charles Manson. It's by Newell Emmons. So I would totally get that book. It's a fucking badass book. There's a lot of books and movies and documentaries on them, but you just gotta yeah. swim through the bullshit. It's kind of like real life. You gotta go through a couple dicks before you get a real friend or whatever. You gotta go through the <laughs> bullshit. Um, I don't know, man, but I would love to do another, like, this was a topic that I was intimidated by because I love Manson so much. And there's so much fucking information. I remember telling you like, dude, I don't want to do it until after I read Helter Skelter again. And I want to finish that other book in his own words. And it's just like, fuck that. I'll watch a bunch of shit, you know, and we'll just, we'll just we'll just go, you know, like I'm not as in depth as I would love to be. But that's as much, that's all I got for you for the most part. And that's my fucking, that's my research for Charles Manson.
1: Oh, nah, dude, it's intriguing. We're going to do volume two, three. We'll do some more.
0: I was thinking about I'm going. Yeah, I was thinking about going farther into the actual Spawn Ranch shit and the girls more. Like this was mostly about the murders. This episode was and kind of about his background a little bit. But there's so much information we could come back to the manson shit basically any fucking time we want we could yeah i'd love to do an episode on just the girls um yeah they're the real
1: fucking killers
0: yeah exactly uh they're they're all in their 70s now oh you know what dude um yeah patricia krenwinkel she's 74 now she was 22 when she committed the murders she had uh Aliases like they all had fake fucking names and a bunch. She had a bunch of them. big Patty, <laughs> yellow Marnie Reeves, Mary Ann Scott and Katie. Those were her aliases. Um, Like when they would get arrested, she'd be like, my name's Mary Ann Scott. That's what they would do. And Leslie Van Houten is 72. Now she was 20 during the murders. Uh, some of her aliases were Luella Alexandria, Leslie Marie Sankston, Linda Sue Owens, and Lulu. Now my favorite, Susan Atkins, Sexy Sadie. She was. Uh, she was born May seventh, nineteen forty-eight. She died September twenty-fourth, in two thousand nine. She died sixty-one Cancers? years old, brain cancer. Yeah. Brain
1: cancer. I there's
0: remember. some. There's a. Uh, There's an interview, I think 20 years after the murders or something, maybe it might only be like, for some reason, the numbers that are, I see in my head are seven and 20. I don't know why it was like seven years after the murder or 20 years after the murder, something like that. But she's fucking drop dead gorgeous in this interview. And she's just talking really sweet and quiet. Like she's this tiny little girl and she's saying how she's found Jesus and what she did was wrong. And she talked about how much acid she's taken. But meanwhile, not meanwhile, but like she was the craziest fucking one, dude. She's the one who said, oh, I wanted to cut the baby out and smash your fucking eyeballs on the wall. And And all three of these girls were just singing and fucking dancing. It was a big fucking game to them. And I think it was at first, dude. I think it was fucking let's trip, let's fuck, let's kill. Then they got busted. They're in the fucking media. Everybody wants a piece of their shit. They're in the fucking limelight. Everyone's taking their pictures. Everyone's talking about them. So they're like, fuck yeah, let's be fucking goofy and silly and make fun of it. Then they got sentenced. Then shit got real. They got sent to their fucking cages, to their cells. Nobody cared about them anymore. Nobody wanted to fucking interview them anymore because it's all done. So now they yep. sit there and rot. And years later, they're like, it was all Manson's fault. I didn't want anything to do with it. He manipulated me. I was a young girl. Me, that is true. They were children. They were only 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. But what happened to the fucking big murder and tough girl? What ha- what happened to that bitch? Yeah. You know, and now it
1: he found a door.
0: Yeah, now now you found Jesus And it's all Manson's fault And he needs hmm. to own up to what he did He wasn't even fucking there He told you to go kill You could have said no, fuck you I'm sure yeah. if, if any one of those girls Would have dropped to their knees and blew him He'd be like, alright, you don't gotta kill anybody It's okay, go back to bed That's exactly what would have fucking happened But no, they chose to <laughs> fucking kill um, Crazy Charlie's Angels crazy. Exactly, <laughs> like my teacher Charlie's Angels, goddamn right Bobby Boussoulet is still um, alive, I'm pretty sure. Susan Atkins is the only one that's dead, I think. Squeaky Fromm, I don't know if she's still in prison. But, you know, some funny shit that we can get into and then we'll end this episode. We just decided, we pulled this topic out of our ass this morning that we were going to do Charles Manson tonight. And I just found out two recent articles from LA Times about the Manson family. Would you like me to read them?
1: Yeah, go ahead. That's crazy. All right.
0: Yeah, it is fucking crazy. Um, this article is from July 8th. That fucking recent. So this article is about Bruce Davis. He was a member of the Manson family. He was a pretty predominant member. He was a bad motherfucker. He was one of the brutal ones. We think that he's the one who killed Shorty and cut him up into nine pieces. I think he was also involved in the Gary Hinman murder. The guy that got his ear cut off and shit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, our source is LA Times, Los Angeles Times newspaper, just so everybody knows. So I'm not fucking uh, plagiarizing or whatever. But a California panel on Friday denied parole for a follower of cult leader Charles Manson, convicted of slayings more than half a century ago. Bruce Davis was previously recommended for parole seven times, but those findings were rejected by three consecutive governors. Parole commissioners told the 79-year-old Davis to try again in three years. Better luck next time, fella. Sorry. They said he lacks empathy, Michael Beckman Davis's attorney said after the hearing before two parole commissioners. Davis has said he helped kill musician Gary Hinman and stuntman Donald Shorty Shee in 1969. He previously said he cut Shea with a knife, And held a gun while Manson cut Hinman's face with a sword. So he was there then. He was uh, holding him at gunpoint while Manson chopped his fucking ear off. I wanted to be Charlie's favorite guy, he said during a 2014 parole hearing. Afterward, other followers wrote political piggy on the wall of Hinman's home in his own blood. Davis was not involved in the more notorious killings of actress Sharon Tate and six others by the Manson Call that same year. The last 14 commissioners of the parole board found Bruce Davis suitable for parole, as did the last nine experts who found him at a low risk for violence. For these two commissioners to think they know better is appalling. Governor Gavin Newsom has consistently rejected parole recommendations for Davis and for other followers of Manson, who died in prison in 2017 at the age of 83. Davis's release was previously blocked by Governors Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fuck him then! And Jerry Brown. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck fuck Bruce Davis. Fuck him. Right in the ass. He can stay in prison. I don't care. Anthony DeMaria, a nephew of victim Thomas J. Sebring, So Jay Sebring uh, was the hair designer of the stars that got murdered right next to Sharon Tate. Mm -hmm. Um, So Anthony DeMaria is a nephew of Jay Sebring, and he argued against Davis's parole on behalf of him and his family. The guy with the ear that got chopped off. Bruce Davis remains in prison because his crimes were so severe and profound that they shook our country to its core with permanent repercussions. So apparently that motherfucker's still in jail. now. Let's go to Patricia Krenwinkel. This was May 26th of this year. Sharon, the headline, this is also from LA Times, Sharon Tate's sister fighting parole for Manson follower Patricia Krenwinkel. The sister of slain actress Sharon Tate is raising concerns after a state parole panel found Patricia Krenwinkel, one of Charles Manson's followers, and a participant in the infamous 1969 murder suitable for parole. Deborah Tate, who was represented at the Tate family at every Manson family parole hearing since 1998? Told the L.A. Times the most recent hearing was impacted by technical issues that she worries will lead to an incomplete transcript being sent to Governor Gavin Newsom. So, what happened was is she's she's been going to court forever. Every every fucking parole hearing, this lady comes to court. Sharon Tate's little sister, who was like 16 when she got murdered, she's like, "Fuck these assholes! Don't let them out! They killed my sister." That's usually what happens at parole hearings. Um, but now, like, with COVID and all that shit, I guess this was all, like, through us, like, what we're doing with this video mm-hmm. chat. Well, exactly what happened to us today. Their fucking system went down. And she's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. The governor's not going to see this. But I guess it was all typed out in transcripts and the governor got to see it. But anyway, Patricia who who is 74 now, is California's longest serving female inmate and was sent to death row in 1971. She's the longest-serving female inmate, dude, in California. You should write
1: her. You should write her.
0: Oh, she'd probably tell me to fuck off because all these girls now, like, found God, and they hate Charles Manson because it was all his fault, and he don't own up to it. They probably don't want to be written. Unless you write – I mean, I could write her and talk about how fucking Jesus is awesome. Maybe I could do that. You should do
1: it. You should write her and just be like, I hope all is well.
0: Yeah, Jesus is fucking cool, right? Isn't he cool? Remember when he died on the cross?
1: Yeah, remember when you found him?
0: How dare you? Right. Yeah. Fucking A, right. So uh, after the state's highest court ruled the death penalty, uh, we've already talked about all this. But yeah, so the tentative decision will be reviewed by the Board of Parole Hearings Legal Division, which can take up to 120 days, according to a statement Thursday by Terry Thornton. But this was written in May, so I highly doubt that she fucking got out, dude. I'm pretty fucking sure she didn't get out. There was That's something fun. else I was going to talk about too And I fucking forgot What was I talking about before all this shit
1: No you're just wrapping it up And then you went into the, the article
0: Yeah well there was something else I wanted to fucking say Um I don't know <laughs> Let's see My fucking ADHD sucks Uh Yeah I don't know I don't remember Fuck But yeah, so that's that's basically what's up. Uh, She's like, and then Sharon Tate's little sister was like, "I'm an extremely forgiving person by nature, but I am not convinced that these people have been rehabilitated one iota." She's like, "Fuck these bitches! Don't let them out." Yeah, they killed my fucking sister. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're all like, "Fucking oh, what was me? Let me out." Uh, Susan Atkins, her last interview was pretty sad, man. Like, I felt bad for her, but I also got the hots for her, so I don't. Maybe that's. You know, maybe I'm biased here, but she uh, she was dying, dude. She only had like a uh, they said a few weeks left to live, and her last interview, like she was crying, and she was like, she basically just saying, like, I want to fucking get out of here, man. Like, just fucking let me out of here before I'm like, yeah, no,
1: I think I seen something like that she was like, I'm gonna die anyway.
0: Yeah, you're fucking dying yeah. in prison, bitch. That's how. Because could you imagine what would have happened if they let any of these people out? everybody would fucking freak out. Like this is the biggest fucking this is the crime of the century, dude. Fuck OJ. Like this is the, this is it. This is the crime of the fucking last 100 years. Um I remember what I was going to say now. The whole CIA thing. There's a fucking conspiracy theory. It's fucked up, but some people <laughs> say that Manson was tested on like through MK Ultra and shit. You know what MK Ultra is? What is that? This is a real thing. The government fed a bunch of acid to prisoner inmates and that they were testing acid on fucking prisoners. <laughs> and some people say this is a real thing. This is a real project. MK Ultra. This really happened. Uh, Kaczynski, the fucking Unabomber, he was a mm-hmm. part of MK Ultra, dude. They fucking fed him acid. And he got out, and he's all fucking crazy, and he's fucking mailing bombs to people m k ultra's a real fucking thing. Look it up, but anyway, some people think that Manson was involved in that, and he was a fucking like a project or whatever because they let him out of fucking prison, sent him straight to fucking San Francisco or whatever because like Vietnam War was going on, dude, and like the hippies were rising up, and they're like, you know, make love, not war, man. And uh, it was getting out of control. Like, the the it, there was this fucking whole movement going on of this anti-war shit. And they wanted to fucking stop it. They wanted to put an end to the hippies. The fucking Manson murders totally fucking stopped all that shit. Like, after that, dude, like, you don't hear much about it anymore. That whole fucking love movement and all the hippie power yeah. power shit. Fucking Manson killed the 60s. He killed the hippies. He killed all that shit. And some of it is a there's a conspiracy theory that it was done on purpose, that they released him into the world to fucking trip on acid, give these girls acid, start this little fucking cult like he was knew what he was doing the whole time. It's like Whitey Bulger, the fucking the Irish fucking mob boss or whatever. He's a bad motherfucker. Whitey Bulger, Boston, fucking Irish white boy, fucking gangster. He was an informant for the fucking CIA the whole goddamn time. But he was like the leader of the fucking Irish mafia, my Irish mob, whatever. And he was a fucking goddamn CIA fucking tattletale, you know? That's, that's wild. man. Fucked up. <laughs> but yes, <yeah>, so, <laughs> some people think Manson was Manson in was the, the CIA. Part of the CIA. Yeah. But I think that's all bullshit. Yeah, I don't believe that. I think he was just a fucking poor little. It was given a shit fucking deal from the day he was born. He was born to a 15 year old prostitute who didn't want nothing to fucking do with him. His daddy didn't want anything to do with him. He got bounced around from uncle to uncle. They all taught him. All they taught him was crime. He fucking goes to jail at nine years old, learns the system, learns that there's sex in the system and you can get anything you want and learn the system. They let him out when he was 33 2 years later he went right fucking back in the motherfucker, you know? It's
1: like that's all he did.
0: Of... He he's institutionalized. Like my nephew, my fucking nephew went to jail at 12 years old, fucking barely been out ever since, man. He's been in and he's he's spent more time in jail than he spent outside. Because he was 12 years old and he stole guns from my dad and he fuck ever since then he's been fucking in jail. He's in prison right now for 19 years for drug-induced homicide. Because he fucking sold heroin to somebody And they took it and they died So drug-induced homicide, 19 years, motherfucker That's what happens But wow. he's he, my nephew was the same way When he got out of prison He's like, I can't get a job Because everyone's like, dude, you gotta get your shit together now Fuck yeah, you're out of the joint Fuck yeah, get a job, man And he'd rather sell drugs because it was easier He'd rather steal from people because it was easier And he'd bitch and whine and cry Woe was me, it's not my fault I'm a felon, I can't get a job I got him a job. He fucking stole from that job and got fired. My homeboy fucking hired him to seal code. And he stole blank checks from my buddy. Went right back to fucking got fired. Went Started selling heroin. Somebody died right back to prison. That's all he yeah. knows is prison. And when he gets out, all he knows is how to survive by breaking the law. So you break the law, you get caught, you go to prison. So yeah, yeah that's like crazy. My, my mom will probably never be able to hug him again. Her grandson, she ain't never going to get to hug her grandson again because she's fucking 70, and he's going to be in there for 20 fucking years. My mom might live to be in her 90s. She's a healthy lady, but I'm just saying. No, I get it. But, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that really pisses me off about that thing that happened where my computer shut down. So if you can, definitely get that fucking out for the oh, audio. I will, dude. And yeah. then upload it on Spotify. It'll be uploaded
1: on Spotify. I'll, I'll tweak it tomorrow. We'll All get right. it done.
0: All right, and then, um, yeah, that's that's all I got for this episode, man.
1: I like it. I, I didn't know half that shit, man.
0: Good, cool. That's what I like to do. I like, I like to, that. I like to educate mm-hmm. as well as entertain.
1: You know, I, I basically just watched some of his interviews and a couple of Googles here and there. Yeah. I'll still want one of those shirts though. It says, Remember kids, Charlie loves you.
0: Oh, I've always wanted one, man. But I didn't have my own money back then during hip. My mom um, had to buy me the Hip Reader yeah, magazine. I think yeah. she's going to buy me a Charles Manson shirt. No well, fucking yeah, way. Yeah, mine
1: too. I never expected
0: it. I was like, I'll never say it. Right. Dora <laughs> bought me this shirt for Father's Day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's got Patricia Krenwinkel, Leslie Van Houten, and Susan Atkins on it. And the silhouette of Charlie's Angels, the movie, in the background, and that says Charlie's Angels on it. For all the listeners that uh, that aren't that's watching awesome. this live, I love this fucking shirt. I had to wear it today. But yeah, so that's it. Thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, ben Newman could not participate tonight because he is closing the bar that he owns, and um, just do we got any patrons still? Are these people still giving us money?
1: I have to check, man. Yeah, the check. Well, I have to check because the system, I fucking hate it. I wish it was easier.
0: Well, people should I'm give looking us their in, money. I anyway. look,
1: look, I'm looking into something a little better than that fucking Patreon shit.
0: All right, all right cool. Cool. Uh, ben just got here, and we're ending the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. But it'll be on YouTube. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I got, man. So thank you all for your patron yeah. shout out to Ben Newman do, do some for supporting volume, us. Volume
1: two, do Charlie's Angels.
0: Yeah, we'll be back on Charlie's Angels and all that jive. All right, I'm going to get out of here, I guess, man.
1: All right, man, I'll holler at you.
0: All right, brother, later. See you, man. Thanks for tuning in to our little Passion Project podcast. Remember, we go live every single Friday night, same damn time, same damn channel. So if you miss it, don't blame us.